Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing how to improve communication with your (laughs) ex-partner. My name is Lucy Good, and I am the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. And today I have great pleasure in chatting to Shelby Timmins from Divorce Done Differently. Shelby is a family lawyer from Sydney who removed her lawyer hat last year when she established a boutique family dispute resolution practice called Divorce Done Differently. This is a fabulous business which specialises in mediation, divorce and separation support, conflict coaching and family law wellness workshops and it takes a holistic look at the separation and divorce process. Shelby is also mum to three very gorgeous and cheeky little girls aged 10, 9 and 7 and that makes me feel exhausted just thinking about it (laughs) and like us is continually searching for the magic solution on how to juggle it all. Welcome to the Beanstalk podcast Shelby. Thank you. Lovely to have you on. Now when I was introducing you I mentioned that um, you've removed your lawyer hat um, and decided to move into a slightly different way of of helping couples what what made you do that I have been fairly uh, involved in litigious family law practice as um, as a lawyer and always interested in mediation and a collaborative approach but last year I got to a point maybe a little older and wiser having my own family and started to realize I guess hence the delays in the family court and the costs of both emotional and financial for parties that they just simply had to be a better way for those families to separate and create something new for themselves especially when children were involved so I um, did some more training and uh, stepped away I still uh, have my practicing certificate as a lawyer but stepped away from giving advice to individuals and tried to bring parties together with or without their legal team or other team of professionals. And I guess that working together through this process um, is just so important in terms of future relationship, but also cost as well, surely. It would really help with the cost. Absolutely. I think people enter the separation process with uh, their eyes closed in terms of what it is going to cost them. And once they've entered a lawyer's office, they have some idea. And then if they enter that family law court process, um, the legal fees can be astronomical. Mm. Oh, goodness, I know they can be. And I think once you go down that lawyer route, you're almost pulling apart from each other. Um, rather than trying at least to work together, aren't you? So it's kind of just almost aggravating the situation in some cases, would you say? Um, In some cases, I would say. I I think I'm a huge advocate for lawyers having a big part, um, particularly where advice is required in terms of financial 
um, relationships and an ability to move forward um, with all of that. And I think you need to be really mindful about what sort of lawyer you're looking for. Mm. Are you looking for a lawyer that is genuinely interested in making sure your family and every member of your family is okay? Or are you looking for a lawyer that's taking you down a court path straight away? And that's actually something that I want to do a podcast on very soon is how to choose the right lawyer for you because I think so many people are in in turmoil at the time when they're trying to choose yes. a lawyer and they don't sometimes it's very difficult to think straight and to know what to look for so yeah it's it's about finding the, the person who's going to act for you for all the right reasons I suppose and I think my top tip with that would be Think about how you want to proceed if you want an ongoing relationship, which I think most parents do, an ongoing relationship that's productive um, for their children. A a great starting place is searching um, for a collaborative lawyer um, or a collaborative professional. And there's in every state there's organisations for collaborative practice groups and they have lists of their registered members there. Can you just tell us what a collaborative lawyer is? Sure. So a collaborative family lawyer, look, um, collaborative practice can be applicable to many areas of law, but it is primarily practised in family law. It started in America um, with a guy called Stu Webb, who effectively was a family law practitioner who realised there had to be a better way to practise and opted out of taking clients on who wanted to go down the court path. So he really created a system where parties are open and transparent, uh, fairly respectful, although realising that some of the conversations they're going to have are going to be challenging and robust. But the, the concept of collaborative practice requires a lawyer to do some additional training um, in terms of how collaborative matters work And also really, I think, a huge mind shift um, for the professionals involved. So you're no longer representing your client's interests only. You're really looking for an outcome that benefits the family as a whole. So regardless of whether, you know, you typically would have two collaborative lawyers in a family law matter and perhaps a group of other professionals such as a divorce coach, a health professional, child psychologist, an accountant, lots of different, you know, depending on your issues. But all of those professionals have training in collaborative practice or interdisciplinary collaborative practice, which is a mouthful in itself. Mm. Um, But they're really looking at the interest. It's an interest-based exercise. So what does the family need rather than what are the court going to order? God, I, I think that just sounds like such a, a brilliant a brilliant way forward. So you've got the input of the, of the law, which you need, but you've just got it being done yes. in a different way, which is going to be more beneficial um, long term. Look, I know that we're going to have a brilliant chat here because I haven't even started asking the questions that I have for you and you've already provided <laughs> so much information oh. to us. But so we'll, we'll start focusing on what we're talking today, which is, you know, the really sure. important thing, which is about communicating with, with our ex-partners. So look, the first question I've got for you is, why is it so important that you have a healthy line of communication with the father of your child or children? 
I think if we look at any form of relationship, whether it's a business, a friendship, a parenting relationship, unless we get communication right and get it right from the beginning, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So I think um, it's imperative, particularly when you've got small children who shouldn't, it just, they just shouldn't be involved in those adult concepts that come about when parents separate. I think it's imperative that we get, get that communication right from the beginning. Mm, yeah, of course. And I think that it's such a difficult time because often the breakup time, it comes with a lot of um, hurt and upset between the two parties. So what you've got to do Absolutely. is you've got to swing it all the way around, haven't you, from this really difficult place that you're in to getting into a place where you can break down that wall in between you and communicate. And you have to always focus on the children and think, well, this is why we're doing it. We're doing it for yeah. the kids. And I think it's really easy to sit back as a professional and say you've got to get it right. But I think my job and a lot of people working in this space their role is to educate people on it is okay to feel that things aren't right and that there is emotion because when we enter into relationships, there's a whole lot of emotion attached to them. Yet when we end a relationship, we think of this legal process of separation and divorce, but it's really the legal process should be the last part of it. It should be allowing parties to deal with the emotions that are attached, the hurt, the loss, the sadness, maybe guilt, anger, resentment. There's lots of emotions that come out um, and allowing parties to process them and be really constructive in a biz almost a business-type relationship. I encourage my clients to think about it in the early days especially. How can we be really clear and concise about what we need to communicate on for our children? Mm, yeah and keep the children as the main focus um, I often think with yeah. my I mean I've been separated now for over five years and I often think that the least amount of communication we have is the better yes. and as long as so it's all about look, it's about it's about quality rather than quantity so a small amount of very respectful communication is, is all I ask for and um, when you have too much when you sort of talk too much over things that's when arguments um, can develop can't they yeah, and I think you need to be honest with your own relationship dynamics. You might separate under fairly reasonable circumstances and you might be a couple that can attend a children's sporting match together or sit at a school assembly together. I, I mean, I have, you know, separated families that still have a weekly meal together, but the the realistic side of that is that sometimes that doesn't work for everyone and for the majority of people in the initial stages, you're right, uh, short and concise and fairly factual information is what needs to happen. But I always try and think about you wouldn't send your children to a friend for a play date without there being some form of communication. So why do we expect children to go between two homes without that? Hmm, that's a really good point. Yeah, of course. We do, we it, it, communication is necessary. Big... Yeah, so... and it is. And look, if, I think if you're finding yourself in a situation where it's abusive or the communication is being used as a tool to continue negative commentary, 
I think there's lots of tips about how to establish and set it up right from the beginning. But if it's not okay, then I, I agree. Sometimes short, brief um, communication or, I mean, we have circumstances where people don't communicate at all, unfortunately, but that I think that's at one end of the scale. Mm, yeah, I think many, many couples do communicate. Um, and also it's a time thing, isn't it, as well? But it's certainly that communication is absolutely essential. Um, and so that's why we're talking about getting it right in this in this podcast. Mm. So, Shelby, what are the business, the, the, the biggest problems that you encounter with ex-couples communicating? <laughs> uh, I, there's probably heaps here, but, and, and what can be done to avoid there are. <laughs> Yeah, I think there are lots of issues and it's individual as well. But, you know, I think the things that upset people the most are a lack of transparency. Um, and it's the smaller things like forgetting homework or a lunchbox or a school jumper, which if people are living in relative close proximity, that can create this ongoing banter between people that, that just shouldn't happen. So I think from the smaller um, matters, which can be quite irritating, um, they can create larger problems. Um, and I think the other aspect is where people don't set out from the beginning what their expectations are. If your expectation, like you were saying before, is that I don't need to hear from you all the time, but when I do hear from you, I'd like to know X, Y, and Z, then I think that's really a productive way to start. So I encourage my, my clients to come and think about how do you want to communicate? Do you want to communicate face-to-face? -face? I mean, some people will meet for a weekly or a monthly coffee, do you want to communicate by email or text or do you want to use some form of other service? There's a whole lot of amazing parenting apps out there at the moment. And then in terms of how regularly you want to communicate, do you want it to be weekly, daily, monthly, you know, quarterly? And then what you need covered in that communication. Do you need to know about the children's health? Do you need to know about their school? What, what do you need to know? Yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? All the apps that are out there as well um, to help. Oh, um, I I recently um, have been speaking to a lady who's got DeVito. I don't know if you've heard of yes, that. Yes, in Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm not quite yeah. sure. I haven't looked at the, the finer details of it, but I think it's almost yeah. a way to communicate with your ex-partner, but they've got some parameters around it and they make you stop and think before you send or they can detect whether there might be something in there that's a little bit aggressive and they'll suggest that you just change it or wait I mean, stuff like that yeah. is so effectively it's, it is it's an app where it neutralizes sms text messages so the app looks at the message any words or phrases that might be inflammatory or derogatory or you know using poor language then it pauses it it gives you suggestions for other things to mm. insert instead of those inflammatory words and then um, allows them to be sent so I think the feedback on that is in some circumstances that's really worthwhile other people are of the view, do I really need to be told how to be an adult and how to parent? Mm. 
Well, I think so, that's about choosing. It's, it's about choosing the resources that you need for your situation, isn't it? So you might be at a stage where you really need something like that. So you, you you tap into it and you use it for the time that you need it, and then you might find, well, everything's fine. I don't need any help. I've learned to communicate successfully. I know what I'm doing. And then um, you might decide to use a different app or to just you know use some messaging. Uh, the good old messenger. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of other apps out there that allow you to do um, other services. So there's, you know, you can have your calendar in relation to time that mm. the children are going to be spending with each of you, what activities they've got. You can have an expense schedule where you can upload invoices. You can have a messaging service as part of that app. That's there, some really um, great yeah, you can have where you can upload school reports and school newsletters and it's just a centralised um, place for your children and information about your children. And often I find that people, when they've got that centralised spot, they realise that this is a space to talk about our children in a really positive way rather than using it as a forum uh to be perhaps not so nice to their former partner. Yeah, it just cre- they create quite a nice atmosphere, don't they, between you? Because they encourage you to share photos Absolutely. and things like that, which is just great. Yeah. So there's heaps of apps out there worth looking into, I think. Um, and just, yeah, just when there's was an so- article written um, recently by a firm in Canberra, um, and I can send it through to you if you like to to put up on your your website. But it's it really goes through all of the apps that are available, their cost what they include and yeah I found it really helpful to give to my clients I'd love it send it through to me please I would love it thank you (laughs) I love things any resources that um, are going to help the mums on my platforms I'm always really keen to see so that's great yeah Um, and just just tapping in as well on what you were saying about um you know the small things that can 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 lead to bigger things um with the communication so the forgetting of items and things like that that's all Mm -hmm. about organization isn't it and being really organized um and having that line of communication to make sure that you do get everything right with handover, etc. And um, <laughs> I, I, I only this morning um, was meeting um, my ex-husband and my youngest daughter in a car park um, because my eldest daughter, who lives with me full time, had accidentally picked up the youngest daughter's school shoes. So we had a school shoe yes. um, changeover in a car park. She was late for yeah. school, you know, and you feel terrible about it. Really awful. Yes. And yeah. some things you can't avoid. But those things that are little, they can lead to bigger things, can't they? So it's really important to communicate and get organized with those things. It is, and it's the little things, as you would experience, that can be frustrating on a daily basis. And so when the bigger things come around, it's just that snowball effect. So it is yeah, imperative to try and get those smaller things right. And I guess whilst you don't want your children to be involved in the adult issues, it's okay to be quite um, open with them about the expectations of packing their own bags and having their belongings and making sure that the homework book and the school hat and whatever else is packed up rather than creating a bigger issue at the end of the day. And if you're finding that this is a regular and ongoing problem, I often say to parties, just get your own school shoes. And I know it's an additional expense that not everybody can afford, 
But if it stops that emotional upheaval for the children in particular, it can sometimes be really productive. Yeah. Well, we all know if our children are happy and content, um, then the parents often are happy and content. So anything that we can do to help them um, is really important. So if an ex-couple, if that's the right phrase, I suppose it is, an ex-couple can communicate effectively... Um, There are huge advantages, obviously, um, and these are both during the separation process and for the long-term relationship. What would you say these are? I think you've absolutely got it right. We, We all aim to have happy and healthy children, and we know that family dynamics and the structures of families, particularly in Australia, are changing, and common sense is telling us that you know, these highly conflictual and acrimonious relationships between parents lead to ongoing problems for children. And some of the research, which is really interesting in this area, talks to us about children who are um, suffer a really acrimonious divorce are more likely to enter into multiple live-in relationships as they get older, have children at a younger age themselves, Um, less likely to complete year 12 um, and have a lower personal income. So this is just that factual aspect, let alone the other emotional and financial implications that flow from that. So, you know, the research shows us that separation and divorce don't damage children. Children are pretty resilient. It's that ongoing conflict Mm. that does. Goodness, that's enough reason, isn't it? Just to say, right, I'm going to sort out my communication <laughs> issues right now. <laughs> get, it, get it right from the beginning if you can. Yeah, oh my goodness. And yeah, and interesting because to, to pull it away from the divorce, because divorce is such a negative word and people are so worried yes. about the way divorce affects their children. But in fact, yeah. it's more about that relationship afterwards. And I actually, um, I mean, I've been harping away um, on TV recently about co-parenting and how, you know, talking about the benefits of co-parenting, because <laughs> obviously uh, uh, the ideal would be that, typical stereotypical happy family household with mum and dad together but if that doesn't work then co-parenting I feel is a great way to role model to our kids what a healthy relationship can look like outside marriage so you have actually got this great opportunity to show your kids how it can be done okay mum and dad didn't get on but look what we've overcome and look how well we're doing and it is possible to do it your kids look and they learn and they understand that's such an amazing lesson to teach your kids absolutely they're really good observers even when we think they're not watching (laughs) yeah yeah so it's so when you are you know if you're in the situation where you are arguing over something that is really not worth arguing over have a think about how that can affect your children Um, not now but in the future and just consider maybe pulling back and letting some things go if that's going to make life easier because um, you know the effect is long lasting of of watching parents arguing inside or outside a marriage. And it's cumulative so I think it's you know it's a big thing at the beginning to try and give yourself a bit of breathing space, let you, you process what's going on, whether you were the one that ended the relationship or not, there's going to be emotion attached to it. And then working out what's important for you and your children 
taking you know some advice some from, from professionals try not to build a team of um people that are willing to jump on a bandwagon to bash or put down your former partner but really look at getting some uh professional advice from people that work in this area so whether that's a lawyer whether that's um and i would you know highly recommend the collaborative lawyer or whether that's from a mediator or a divorce coach, a counsellor, just reach out to those that that can ha- perhaps neutralise what's going on for you. And I think that's the key word, isn't it? Neutral. You need someone who's, who's on neutral ground. Um, all of our well-meaning mm-hmm. friends and family are happy to help, of course, because they love mm-hmm. us, but they know too much. Sometimes going in and talking to somebody who can actually focus on the communication side of it rather than all the many issues that have have gone before is the best person to talk to um, and I think it's yeah, important to remember that the brain the only ones. sorry carry on and no, no, no parents aren't the only ones that are hurting sometimes you know you've got grandparents and brothers and sisters and aunts and friends that they're also losing that relationship with that other partner so everybody's got their own agenda um, and I think you need to accept that that emotion comes with that so yeah. a professional is at that neutral space. Yes, emotionally charged advice is not always the best advice, is it? <laughs> so, so, so communication is not all about what comes out of our mouths. Things like body language are really important too. Can you tell us about this mm. and how we can make sure we get it right? Mm. I think um, if your children are seeing and hearing um you communicate in a respectful um, and even if it is fairly uh, business-like, but if it's a respectful way, it has huge benefits. So I encourage people to think about if you're meeting your former partner face-to-face, be civil, say hello, greet them, encourage the children to have a good time because your children are observing every aspect of that. You know, I also talk to my clients about be really mindful about when you're talking to a girlfriend or a family member about your ex, What, where are the children, what are the children hearing and seeing because they will pick up everything. And at the end of the day, children love their mums and they love their dad and they should be allowed to. And it's not their role to get ingrained in that battleground of what time are we picking up, who's bringing what, when is the next holidays. It's really allowing them to have those moments of being children and to enjoy time with each parent. Um, But some other really interesting things that I think help children settle in both homes because there's change that's happening for them. And as resilient as they might be, they'll have their own worries and they'll miss Every, you know, every time they go, they'll miss the other parent. They might be sad. So I encourage uh, clients to think about what positive things they could do. And, look, I know this might sound um, quite, I guess, looking through rose-tinted glasses, but I often ask my clients to think about what, what things, what small steps can you take in your home to make your child more comfortable with this separation. And, Some of them are from having perhaps a family photo and that might be a photo when the child was born. So whilst I'm not expecting you to have your wedding photographs up in the lounge room, Mm -hmm. 
it might be important for kids to have, you know, a photograph of mum and dad or, um, you know, even dad and in their top drawer or in their bedroom, whatever that is. Um, I think about things like children often, you know, when you pick them up from school and how was your day at school, they're good and that's where the conversation ends. So it's about allowing your children to have a space to tell you what's worrying them and we've, we often talk about this little thought or worry journal where you can, you know, buy a little book, put a little picture in it of your family write something nice in it and just put it next to your child's bed. You could put stickers of emojis or emotions, happy, sad, whatever it is, and get them to write in it when they're ready, pick it up at night, and you can respond back to them in it so that there's not this, um, I guess, confrontation of them feeling like they're disclosing something to you. Um, some of the other things I, I do from a practical point of view is a game we call sweet and sour. And look, I do it with my own children. And most nights at the dinner table, we have this, what was your sweet for the day? So what was the positive and what was your sour for the mm. day? And often just those short little things so that when you go to bed at night and you put your children to bed, which is the time I think we'll all find that they blurt out their emotions. Mm. Um you can pick up on what, what might be bothering them. So, yeah, I think there's some really positive things you can do. Create a space in your home that is your child's. So if your child's not living with you all the time, make sure that they've still got a place to call their own when they come, whether that's a drawer or a cupboard or a whole bedroom, whatever it is, you know, it should be a space for them. Mm, yeah, so, I mean... So it's important to, yeah, it's important to communicate properly between, you know, between parents, between mum and dad, mm-hmm. but also to communicate with the kids and to make sure that communication is kind of on the right level, I guess. Um, yeah, age appropriate. Age appropriate, mm. yes, as well. And I think that um, so often with the way that, you know, even if, even if you're in the house on your own with the kids, and they talk about mum or dad, um, you have to, you know, it's important that you don't become negative in your actions. You need to, to just keep it all light and easy and for them to know that they can talk to you um, about dad if they want to. That's absolutely fine. You're not going to close up and suddenly become really tense. Um, so, yeah, just keep the, yeah, the line yes. of communication open with them the whole time. And Without I, that direct questioning. Yes, yeah. So, look, sometimes, however hard um, we try, communication can sadly still break down, been there, done that. Um, yes. We've talked briefly about it, but is there any other advice and resources you can recommend to the single mum in this difficult position? Yeah, I think it's okay for things not to be okay sometimes. And I think if you've tried lots of the skills that we've talked about today, you know, owning your role in what's going on, trying to use other forms of communication, keeping communication to a minimum, being positive. If all of those things aren't working, there are some parenting courses that sometimes can be helpful and they're run through government organisations such as Relationships Australia and Intralate. There's also private organisations. I've got a girlfriend that runs some in Sydney. Um called Beyond Separation. And look, I think they can be really positive, but 
if you are getting to a point where you've exhausted all of your avenues, it brings us back to what you said at the beginning. It might be that you enter that world of parallel parenting where things are minimal, but they're factual um, because children will cope better in those circumstances compared to ongoing conflict. Yeah. And I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier as well, but you know, we've got to remember that what we're trying to do is communicate with these people that we've just chosen that we don't want to spend our lives with. Yeah. And we are communicating over what is the most important thing in our lives, and that's our kids. So put those yeah. two things together. And you're talking about something that's really hard. So I think that it's important for the single mums listening not to be hard on themselves. And Absolutely. if you do have a breakthrough, however small, if it's even like you've just managed to send a couple of emails and you've... You, you've um, and they've all been respectful, you maybe had a little bit of a laugh in them or something like that, give yourself a pat on the back because you're doing yeah. really well and every tiny little thing like that is a step in the right direction and you're up against something really difficult. So, you know, just, just go easy on yourself with it. And sometimes if you actually know that that's going on, you can be really constructive about it, you know, sending a photo or a happy positive message you know extending that olive branch a couple of times you might be surprised with what comes back um, not always but hopefully sometimes and um, yeah being okay with things not being okay for a little bit and if you do send that olive branch and you don't get anything back you still feel good that you sent it I you know feel good that You've you the did right the right thing, thing. yeah so yeah. I mean and my I suppose my, my red flag from my experience there is to be careful because sometimes I can find that we start getting on well and so we start sending the you know <laughs> and then and then if you push it too far it can yes. go wrong if you so, so sometimes it's about saying look okay so we've just had a few a few moments of really cool communication but I'm just going to bring it back in and stop it there because it's been great but let's move on now and um you know rather than because if you become too close again and start talking too regularly again things things are more likely there's, there's more capacity there for things to go wrong Look, and I think um, that's right Lucy I think you be, be really aware of your own relationship it might be that you need some boundaries and be firm with those boundaries or it might simply be that you can be really flexible and open so you'll know don't let anybody dictate to you about what you need to happen as long as you're being focused on the children um, you'll know what's right for you mm. and as you say every every relationship is different but not only that they change mm -hmm. as well so it might be that something that works for you um, while you're in what I call the crisis period, the breakup period, yes. uh, well, it will be different for you a year down the line. You'll be communicating on different levels. So just try and gauge it and go with whatever works. And just um, another one, which I think is really important for separated couples to remember, is that married couples argue as well. Um, an argument Absolutely. <laughs> is, is something that you, I sometimes think when we have an argument, well, we would have argued about this if we were married, but we'd be living under yes. the same roof so it'd be even worse and I say it to the kids sometimes and yeah. they're like why are you dad arguing it's like well this is something that we would have argued about anyway so just be grateful that we're living in separate houses while we're doing it yeah. conflict, <laughs> conflict doesn't need to be bad conflict can be really constructive if it's dealt with in the right way so I think that's a really healthy way to look at things where um, married couples yeah become quite robust in their conversations and 
it's easier because you are in the one riff and you can sense what's happening to other people. But sometimes it's it's how it's dealt with and it can be really constructive. Mm, yeah, it can. And I think we sort of get into this bubble where we think any argument is a really bad thing. But everyone yeah. argues, all couples argue. Yes. And, you know, that's part of life, isn't it? And, and as you say, sometimes it it's, it's a good thing. It gets things moving forward. Um, look, it's such an important topic. Um, and I, I really think we touched on it there when we just said, you know, everything relation, every relationship is different because so many people listening in will... Um, be taking bits and pieces um, of advice from the podcast and I would think if you listen to a podcast or read a blog if you can get just one or two golden nuggets of information then it's definitely worth having taken the time to read or listen so you know for people listening in just you know think about your own relationship and what works for you and then use the bits of advice that we've given um Mm. to to, to help your your own relationship along um and shelby look you have um done us um a really cool little single mum special so i wonder if you can just tell us what that is and let the single mums listening know where they can find you if they want to get some more information about your service sure so i've created just uh some of my top tips of how we can have a constructive and healthy separation, particularly when it gets to communication. So I've just created a, a document that Lucy will put up for you all and I hope you take from it what, what works for you and what doesn't, let let it go. Um, I've also written a couple of articles on collaborative practice and I'm sure Lucy can share those with you if you're looking for further information mm. about how it might assist. Um, and, yeah, if you're looking for me, uh, my website is www.divorcedonedifferently.com.au and um, it's in its progress so I've only been up and running for about a year and work's been flowing so the the website's been on the back burner but hopefully in the next few weeks that'll be up and running for you all but that has my contact details anyway. Perfect and I will put a link through from the Beanstalk Mums website directly through to your website and also through to that um, PDF which you very kindly supplied for us Um, and good for you you know um, I always think it's great when you haven't actually got the time to do the website (laughs) because you're so busy doing the actual work Uh, and that is one of the (laughs) the double-edged sword of having a business is that you have to your own business is you have to do the actual service that you're offering as well as um, the website and all the marketing and things like that but um very true. <laughs> Look, you have provided us with so much information and um, it's amazing how much us women can squeeze into a 40-minute <laughs> chat. I surprise myself every time. Um, thank you for thinking outside the family law box and helping so many couples in this um, holistic and effective way. Um, yeah, and thank you so much for coming in and chatting to me today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, And to all the single mums listening, I know communication with our exes is not always easy. Um, And my apologies if that's a massive understatement, but it is incredibly important. Remember, your communication can dictate how your children think and feel. It can dictate how they and you live your lives, not only now, but well into the future. So I hope that the tips from this podcast can help you learn to communicate peacefully and effectively and that your ex learns from you and follows your lead. Until next time, ladies, 
Goodbye.